the Appendix N Podcast, Episode 10, Selected Works by H.P. Lovecraft, Part 2. Welcome to the Appendix N Podcast, a Tome Show production. My name is Jeffrey Wynn. This is the show where we read and discuss the authors that influenced Gary Gygax, one of the creators of Dungeons & Dragons. In the 1979 Dungeon Master's Guide, Gygax published a list of his favorite fantasy authors, and this list has come to be known simply as Appendix N. You are listening to the second part of my super amazing Lovecraftian special. This was originally planned to come out in the month of October in celebration of Halloween, but has been pushed back due to real-life schedules. This show is the second of three, so expect another Lovecraft episode in the very near future. What you're going to hear is, rather than one long book discussion, we are going to do several shorter segments, each on a different story. I recorded all of these segments separately and then spliced them together, so there will be some abrupt starts and stops between segments, but I hope you'll enjoy listening anyway. Before we get to the program, let us take a moment to mention our sponsor, Noble Knight online retailer of new and out-of-print role-playing games, war games, board games, and miniatures. Since 1997, they have helped thousands of gamers from around the world save money and find exactly what they need. You can find them on the web at www.noblenight.com. And the next story in our series of Lovecraftian tales is... Uh, a, a well-loved classic, uh, Herbert West Reanimator. Uh, this was written uh, from November 1921 to June 1922 and published as a serial from February to July of 1922 in the amateur publication Homebrew. The publisher was actually a, a friend of Lovecraft him, himself, uh, and his name uh, was George Julian uh, Houtain. Uh, and this this was was the magazine that that published uh, Herbert West and the story we're going to talk about after this, um, the the lurking fear. Uh, this story is notable as the first mention of Miskatonic University in one of Lovecraft's tales. Um, it's also one of the earliest depiction of of zombies in in science fiction as scientifically reanimated corpses. As, as opposed to some some sort of you know a supernatural or or magic explanation, uh, Lovecraft was paid about five dollars per per chapter, which is the equivalent of about sixty seventy bucks today. Uh, and uh, even even though I love the story and, and and lots of people do, it was it was one of love it it was it was it was one of the stories that Lovecraft was most un, unhappy with. He actually didn't like. Uh, writing it, uh, he he basically did it for the money. Um, he felt that that he was phoning it in, uh, that 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 he wasn't really trying. Um, I disagree. I think it's it's fantastic, but it 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 apparently was not the type of story that Lovecraft and his colleagues would have themselves liked liked to to read. Um, what do you think of the story, Dan? Uh, I was, uh, I'm actually going to be, uh, as a zombie story, as a story itself, I, I actually liked it. Uh, I, I think the story has a, a lot of depth to it. 
Um, though I believe the, the characterization could have been a little bit better, but uh, what can you do when you have a short story? Uh, but when it comes to uh, a Lovecraft's, I do believe it's one of his uh, uh, lowliest works, uh, primarily because it's it's very uh, in your face of what's going on. There's there's no real twists. Um, I, I have to admit, and I'm sure we'll get into it uh, later. On the sixth, uh, the part six combines everything very well. Uh, but up until that point, I don't I, I don't find what Lovecraft was best known for uh, finding that in, in, in this story. Um, uh, the mad scientist, uh, fantastic. Uh, the the actual imagery is good. But in the end, it did not feel like uh, what Lovecraft is best known for. It's 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 full of of uh, schlock and uh, black humor. It's 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 very um, uh, uh, evil, evil dead, and 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 army of darkness. I I I would say are are, are stories um, in this vein, right? Um, you've you've got this this crazy mad mad scientist uh, Herbert West, and uh, uh, the his 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 assistant who is our 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 narrator who again uh doesn't get a name uh and and they're they're just they're just uh happily reanimating uh corpses uh and and uh, dealing with the oftentimes uh messy uh, uh results and it's just sort of one misadventure after after an uh another um it's uh, it's you know the 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 crazy mad scientist and the unnamed narrator are very re- reminiscent of the story that 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 uh, we talked about before uh, from beyond, but but here it's it's sort of uh, taken to a to a longer format. Yes, um, uh, uh, one of the things that uh, I did like about this was that the the mad scientist, though quite insane, as you continue to read it, is. Um, has very little personality, but there's something about him that is attracted by the unknown narr- uh, unknown narrator, uh, which really helps you get into the character uh, of, of the, the book. Uh, and he keeps stating, uh, I don't know what it was about Herbert West, but there's things that he did that instantly attracted me to him. And, uh, and of course, this made me want to get up and, you know, start digging up corpses. Uh, it's one of the things uh, I- I'd have to say is was very interesting uh, to, to see that this rather sane person who's narrating the story is attracted by such madness, which is one of the things that attracts me to the story in the first place. Well, I, I guess, I guess uh, insane people can be uh, very charismatic. The, the, the Joker always, always seems to have, uh, you know, Ed, admirers and 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 sycophants all all around him in in a lot of stories um yeah it's 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 i i i wouldn't say that that herbert west has no personality he's i i i think he's he's full of personality he's 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 this gleefully he's got a goal right his his goal is is he wants to revive the dead and he is fixated on on his his goal and uh, he, he's, he's gonna, gonna stick to it and nothing else, uh, interests him. Certainly not, uh, consequences. 
And uh, I can agree with you on that, but I think that's where he kind of loses me as a character. Uh, he's so fixated on this goal that, um, I mean, except when he uh, he actually succeeds in some format, he is completely, yes, let's dig up another body. Okay, yes, let's dig up another body. It needs to be fresher, you know, uh, and I, I, I definitely can back him with his 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 urge his drive to resurrect uh, corpses to perfect his uh, his science uh but uh at the end of the day when you're looking at the story if you if you step outside of those parameters he's he has no personality at least uh, that's the way i see it okay all right so our part one uh from the dark we are introduced to Herbert West and and his friend, our our narrator, and they're they're young men in uh, medical school, uh, and and this this chapter just sort of introduces our uh, you know it introduces us to our 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 characters as they as they go about uh, digging up their their first course, uh, digging up their first corpse, uh, and. Uh, the way Herbert West reanimates corpses, he's he's got this um, uh, fluid that that he just sort of injects into into people, uh, and that's that's pretty much the chapter is is they 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 get this uh, abandoned farmhouse and they 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 dig up a corpse and they inject it with the with the substance, and it it doesn't work at first, but as they're as they're washing up the 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 thing uh gets up and and leaves off the table uh and i and i don't i'm i'm not sure if if they if they even see it i think they're they're in the in the next room and then they just they just hear hear a crashing and um and the and 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 the farmhouse uh catches fire and they're they're forced to flee and uh they don't they don't know if the if the thing if the if the if the undead body uh, escaped or not. That's a, the perfect summation of that. Uh, uh, I would have to say um, this this story, or at least this part of the story, uh, is most reminded me of Frankenstein. You mentioned that uh, in the From Beyond. Uh, I, there is a uh, basically a mad scientist brings forth a, a creature that was once dead and it goes crazy. Uh, they hear it scream like uh, a demon uh, from hell, or it was just this inhuman scream. Um, uh, the uh, torch uh, or the lantern gets tossed off the table, and the whole place goes up in a fire. They don't know if the, the creature escaped, uh, but they do find out that the, uh, that the grave uh, that they, uh, they, they got the body from was uh, upturned the next day uh, by some beast some some creature with uh, inhuman claws and there's there's a there's a couple of of the chapters that that sort of end uh you know sort of on a on a cliffhanger like this uh the next one is is the plague demon and we're introduced to uh west's uh nemesis uh the 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 dean at the at the college where they're where they're uh, studying dean 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 halsey uh, and this man is as saintly as West is uh, diabolical, right? He's he's the he's the typical uh, good doctor. 
he warns West not to pursue this, this, you know, uh, whole reviving the dead business. You know, he, he laughs at, at, at West's, uh, uh, theories and, and West doesn't really like him very much. And then, um, an epidemic of typhus, uh, uh, breaks out. Uh, I, I think just after West and his companion, uh, uh, graduate so now they're they're doctors uh, and they're they're very busy uh, taking care of care of, of, of patients but uh, West is happy because that means lots of corpses yes lots of, lots of fresh corpses yes and that's one of the uh, the big issues that he's always looking for a fresher corpse which um, you know in the uh, early 1900s he couldn't just uh, follow the police bands or, uh, uh, look it up on the internet. It was something that you had to be there or it was already in the act of decomposition, which made his, uh, uh, formula, uh, not work at all. And so, uh, Halsey him, himself actually dies from, from just, you know, over, overwork and, and catching, uh, the, the disease that he's been, that he's been fighting. Uh, and, um, I think West does this. No, okay. I, I think they they have a is is this where they have a funeral for him with their 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 other student colleagues, and then uh, uh, they they all get drunk and West and and his friend take take the body home, uh, and and they and they tell the landlady that that it's it's just oh this is our friend and 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 he's had one too many and it's it's it, <laughs> and it's it's basically the inspiration for a weekend at bernie's <laughs> yeah pretty much um uh there is definitely a black comedy which uh very rare in uh, lovecraft's work uh with them uh, uh taking uh, this uh b- um this body home is is and- there a major motion picture of the 20th century that lovecraft did not in- did not influence in in some fashion, uh, and so they they reanimate uh, Halsey, and I think he 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 gets up and like attacks them, and then and then and then escapes, uh, and then uh, I love I love this 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 paragraph. The next night, devils danced on the roofs of of Arkham, and unnatural madness howled in in the wind. There's so there's there's like reports of this uh, bestial uh, killer breaking in into into people's houses and just like murdering people and it, it it's bloody and violent and 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 gory and it it actually seems like it was inspired by um uh Poe and the Rue Morgue uh yeah well there was a lot of uh, uh Poe uh was one of his leading inspirations he uh Lovecraft had a thing about Poe uh he wrote to Poe a few times was, um was Poe alive I think he was still alive. Uh, he, yeah, I think he was like, um, I think it was just before he died, like earlier on in his life. Mm. Uh, not, not at this time, but like when he was younger, uh, he wrote to Poe and, uh, he, he, he pretty much, uh, some of his first uh, stories that he read, uh, was by Poe. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this, like I can, I can see in this, in this, uh, bestial killer, uh, that, that, inspiration but so 
it it it, it turns out low it and 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 behold it's uh it's it's the corpse of Dean Halsey who's been reanimated and turned into a lunatic murderer and the police actually capture him and imprison him and they they can't figure out that he's basically um a, a ghoul they just they just put him in a straitjacket and put him in jail yeah or, that- it was one of my. Uh, that is actually one of my favorite parts of this story is the fact that uh, there's this good guy who was now transformed into this cannibalistic monster, and when they're finally caught by the police, they don't turn around and say, "Oh, well, it's it's this guy. He looks just like him." They're like, uh, they couldn't believe that he he bore such a striking resemblance to the good dean, and uh, I I love that aspect that he uh, he basically spends like I believe the next sixteen or seventeen years banging his head against the bars at Arkham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, um, it well, it's uh, well, uh, Arkham is the asylum in in. Gotham. I think the asylum here is is Sefton. Oh, okay. I thought it was yeah. uh, Ar- Arkham. Okay, but okay. Well, Arkham Arkham's the name of of the town that inspired the asylum in Gotham City. <laughs> but I don't I don't think the asylum here has has a name. It's just. But anyways, we're anyways <laughs> we are we are getting. That's 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 beside the point. Uh, and it, it, it ends with, with Wes saying, damn it, it wasn't quite fresh enough. So, uh, chapter three is six shots by moonlight. Um, and, uh, the, the titular six shots by, by moonlight is, 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 is actually how the story ends. Um, it's this is this is 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 one of those stories where where Lovecraft starts by saying something weird and sort of works back around to it. Uh, he he says it is it is uncommon to fire all six shots of a revolver with great suddenness when one would probably be sufficient. That's that's the sentence with which he he opens the story and then the entire story explains why someone emptied their revolver, which we can, we can assume it was to shoot a monster, but. He, he takes an entire chapter of a story to uh, explain that. Um, so which which story is this? Uh, this is the one um, which actually has a, a, a boxer uh, is actually killed in a, in a legal back alley, uh, like a street fight or a boxing match. Not, a, not illegal. You're, you're, you're thinking the, the opposite of legal. Illegal. Right. Yes, it was illegal back alley, uh, a street uh, fight or a boxing match or uh, something along those lines. And he he gets killed. And because uh, it's the poor side of town, right. uh, nobody wants to get in trouble. They decide to call in uh, the, the good doctor, uh, West and friend, uh, to take a look at him and to uh, 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 pretty much hide any... Uh, any involvement uh, of them uh, in this un- unsight- untimely death, right? And, and of course, you know, Wes is Wes is, is just just happy to take the corpse away and 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 take it back to his uh, uh, back to his lab and inject it with with the serum. And uh, this time, uh, nothing ha- no- nothing happens. Uh, uh, you know, nothing nothing happens right right away. Nothing happens a moment later. So they they actually bury the corpse. Uh, a, a couple days later, then there, then there is reports of a of a of a missing child, uh, 
and there's an, an, an Italian woman who's in a fit of his, hysteria. And uh, the, the, the doctors are, are, are called, to, called to treat her. And this is, this is where a bit of uh, uh, Lovecraft's uh, racism kind of, kind of shows up. Because, you know, they're, they're, they're Italians, so they're, they're all angry and, and, and irrational. And the, the, the woman dies, and the man threatens to, 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 to stab the doctors because they, they couldn't save, save his wife. And yes. I think I think the the story ends with uh, the 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 doctors go go back home and one of them opens the 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 door and the the undead boxer is there with the child's hand in its mouth uh, and and that's why there were six shots by by moonlight because I think West uh, whips out his hit his revolver and, and and empties it at the at the at the thing. Yeah, uh, the, the the narrator doesn't even see it happening. He's he's like behind Wes when he opens up the door, and all he sees is Wes pull the gun and bang, 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 six shots, and and the the, the creature apparently, uh, I uh, I believe falls uh, uh, falls down at that point. But yeah, the uh, uh, the the ends the end scenes with this this creature just hunched over at the doorstep with the the child's arm in the mouth is a uh, definitely a defining moment of this story right and like the 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 way i've told it is is very straight straight straightforward but like i said earlier you know lovecraft tells it in this very roundabout way he he, he starts by telling you that there were six shots and i'm going to tell you why there there was were, were, were six shots and and he, he tells you this whole story and the fact that that there was a creature outside with a child's ma- with a child's arm in its in its mouth is is the very last thing that that he reveals going going so far as to like alter the structure of of sentences and and paragraphs so that that's like the very last thing that that you read um which i i i think is is interesting um it's probably very hard to do. Uh, yeah, I would have to agree with it. Uh, some of the story, um, ironically, this is, uh, I think, what, uh, the fifth or sixth story I've ever read uh, of Lovecraft's. Uh, and he actually kind of got me lost on this one because um, this this part of the story is very descriptive uh, more along the lines of the body, uh, how the body was hurt, how the body it was uh, damaged, how he, he, he was knocked senseless. Uh, and then it was more description about uh, the, uh, the the Italian uh, 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 parents, the, the wife and the, the husband. Uh, there was really very little things to be scared about uh, in this movie, and uh, in, in this story. And then at the very end, end of the story it's like oh yeah i gotcha and it's, it's it, it really does uh sum up the rest of the story but uh for a first time uh first time reader of lovecraft you can this part you can get lost in well i i mean nothing nothing in in herbert west i think is really scary it's 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 goofy it like it's 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 a bunch of schlock and yes like it's it's entertaining schlock but it's 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 a bunch of schlock um, I, I, I think that's fine. I, I, I think it's fine that it, it's, it's not scary because it's like, there's, there's other things that, but, uh, okay. Anyways, I, yeah. I, I could understand that. Uh, I guess the best, uh, my, a better use 
of word would be is that there's the least amount of action uh, because it's them looking over a body, them dealing with parents, and then bam, at the end, there's a, a monster at the door. So um, I, I think uh, uh, you're right. It's not su- supposed to be scary, but there's very little going on except building to the, the finale hmm. in, in a couple more parts. Okay. I can I can see it. But uh, I, mean, I mean, just just the final uh, Im, Im, impression that we're that we're uh, left with, uh, you know, this 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 um, foul, caked with blood, uh, mon- mon- monstrosity with 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 glistening teeth and a and a and a snow white terrible cylindrical object uh, terminating in a in a tiny hand. Mm-hmm. That's like that's that's the final sentence. Um, so we're just, you know, we're, 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 we're left with our, with our, um, impressions. Uh, all right. So let, let's go on to, to the next, uh, story. Uh, the scream of the dead. Um, which, which one is this? The scream of the dead is a, fun, uh, one of the better parts of the reanimator. Oh, is, is this the one that, that takes place during world war one? No, no, uh, this, no. This is this, oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let you tell it. Okay. Uh, the un, uh, the, the unnamed narrator uh, uh, comes home after being abroad for a little bit, uh, back to West Home, uh, and he uh, basically states that during the narrator's absence, uh, he he perfected this uh, embalming fluid that will preserve a corpse to keep it fresh for as long as uh, they need it for. So if somebody dies, he can inject them with this embalming fluid. And then even if it's like three weeks later, he hits them with another uh, fluid and he can uh, attempt a reanimation. And he came across this salesman, this traveling salesman who uh, came uh, up to his door and had a heart attack. So yep, of course, just, just happened to fall right over as just at, yeah as you do because you know well, this is this is you know early 1900s people fell over dead all the time apparently and apparently well they, they he he had the vapors yeah he had the vapors and uh, so Wes of course uh, went through his wallet saw that he had no family of course mm-hmm. saw yeah, this very, to be very convenient yes saw this to be the perfect specimen it's it, uh, to, it's almost too good to be true exactly so he puts the embalming fluid into this uh, newly dead man and he waits for the narrator to come back uh to his house to uh to so that they could reanimate him together as friends and and, and like at at this point in, in the story it's 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 worth mentioning that this this is is about the time where the narrator is really starting to get tired of this like he doesn't quite want to do this anymore yeah, uh, yeah. At this point, he's like, I'm getting tired of his company. Uh, it, it makes it sound uh, like uh, really they're the only friends they have of each other. And this uh, short uh, sabbatical that he's taken away from West, uh, and I guess into the company of normal people, has <laughs> like, uh, I wonder if this is if he's really good for me uh, at this point. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So he injects the dead salesman with with the formula, and what happens? Okay. Uh, yeah, he injects the formula. They wait. Uh, his eyes open up, and for the very first time, 
uh, they actually see uh, like signs of intelligent life, not just a zombie or not just screaming and flailing, but they actually see uh, what looks to be the signs of intelligent life. Um, and of course, the, the greatest part about this is that when the life gradually uh, begins to appear, he starts flailing around. He starts flailing around. And the narrator is like, yes, yes. Uh, and he's like right there. He's like, what, what did you see? What did you see? Uh, expecting to see like uh, him to tell him about heaven or some sort of afterlife. And the only thing this newly reanimated person could say is uh, I, something along those lines of, uh, get off me, you fool. Uh, what are you doing with that needle? He, 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 actually, he, he, he actually screams, help keep off you cursed little toehead fiend. Keep that damn needle away from me. So basically West killed him. He didn't fall over dead. West, West jabbed him with a, with a needle. Uh, and you know, now, now he's, he's gone from uh, grave robber to actual, you know, uh, murderer. Yes, he, he is. He finally crossed the line, and this line is, I think, what tips the narrator off that this guy is definitely uh, insane. Uh, that Herbert West is uh, not someone that he really should be hanging with, uh, and uh, which he's uh, and just the way it ends it on that on that realization that th- that Herbert West, this genius, is really a madman. And yet, there there are still uh, two more chapters in which our our, our narrator uh, is is friends with with West. So the the next chapter, chapter five, is is the World War One chapter, uh, the horror from the from the shadows, uh, and we are introduced to Major Sir Eric Morland Clapham Lee, um, who I I I think he's uh, in the in the British Air Air Force. Uh, and Dr. West and his friend are basically decide to become army doctors because there's lots of dead people in a war, so why not? Uh, and they're, they're, they're there, like, on the front lines in an army tent, like, patching people back together. And, like, even, even at this point, our narrator is still, like, in, in awe of, of, of West. Like, he, he says, like, he's performing, you know, you know, miracles of, of surgery in that tent. He is, he is saving people's lives who would otherwise be, uh, beyond recovery. But, but the whole time, West really wants, you know, uh, bodies. He doesn't, he doesn't care. He he like he he just wants to do his his work as fast as possible and get to his real work, which is animating dead bodies. Yeah, the the way I I personally read this was that uh, uh, they were less uh, joined the army willingly as much as they needed doctors, so they were kind of forced into service. Um, uh, I, I feel uh, at least in. In my views is that if uh, World War One never happened, <laughs> I think the narrator would have left uh, uh, Herbert West a-, a long time ago. And uh, at this point, uh, it's also important to note that Herbert West has like, you know what? Uh, I've reanimated the, the-, the salesman. Yeah, sure, it was for a short time, but I think I can uh, I can do uh, more with just you know body parts. So he then starts, you know, attempting. He starts 
isolating body parts and trying to reanimate like just the hand or just the head um, uh, of certain uh, corpses, which again, uh, the, the narrator doesn't know off at the very beginning, but he realizes it halfway through this, uh, this part. So there um, I'm, I'm, I'm reading here. So the, the, the narrator uh, was, was convinced to join, join the army by Dr. West. Doctor Doctor West joined. I, I I think joined the army of his own free free will. Um. And um, basically, yeah, they 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 secure a medical uh co- commission. Uh, through through their 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 friend uh, uh Major Sir Eric Moreland uh Clapham Lee. And and they're they're on the front lines, and uh, the the major is flying in when his his plane is shot down, and he dies. And Wes is like, "Great, I'll, I'll reanimate uh, my friend, or at least his, his 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 body parts." And for God's sake, we get a head in a jar, Dan. <laughs> that is true. That is one of the. What, uh, the- what is is more classic? B movie science fiction than a head in a jar. Uh, there's there is not much, uh, especially when he tries to reanimate uh, not the head but just the body without the head. Right. So like he he reanimates the body and it 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 stands up and, you know with w- without a head and 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 across the room they can they can hear hear the hear the head saying jump jump which is you know the last thing. He was he was thinking as as his his plane was uh, shot down and, and then of course uh, the the medical tent they're they're in is you know bombed and and only West and his uh, friend and the corpse managed to uh, escape Every, everybody else else dies yeah there's a it was uh, I very convenient uh, uh basically because it, it was like literally moments later that after the the head from across the room severed from the body uh not even the the the, the priority of the reanimation so they they found some way of like connecting the two without being connected um uh and just like moments later a bombshell hits and destroys the entire building conveniently. Uh, the, the head is assumed to be, uh, to be destroyed or vaporized in the uh, blast. Um, and, uh, they, uh, they basically, uh, speak of the, uh, Eric Moreland Kaplan uh, Lee, which I believe was a medic, a doctor with them, uh, who I, uh, Herbert West actually shared theories of reanimation. Mm-hmm. So the, the last line is that them being uh, fearful that there is possibly a headless doctor out there who now knows how to reanimate things. Uh, and that actually comes to pass in the, the, the final chapter, uh, chapter six, the, the tomb legions. Uh, and this is where it, it all comes to a head. Um, this is this is after the war. Uh, Doctor West is is back home. Uh, he and his friend are, are I think no longer uh, together, except for at the at the end of the of the story. Uh, and we we hear about a uh, strange wax headed man carrying a a 
disturbing-looking uh, box uh, going to the uh, asylum where the where the ghoulish corpse of uh, doc, uh, uh, Dean Halsey is is uh, being kept, uh, and 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 basically uh, just sort of rounding up all of Doctor West's uh, failed experiments. And by the way, what what a great image for a, like a, a, a villain. Just this this guy with a with a wax head. Who who keeps his real head in a in a valise that he carries ar- around with him? I mean, that's like something out of I don't know a some, horror story. <laughs> some, some kind of weird '60s like sci-fi like spy movie or 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 something like like I could see it in uh, the Avengers, like not not the Marvel Avengers, but uh, John British. yeah John Steed and Mrs. Peel, like like that type of thing. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more and to, to me that the, the image is almost of uh, like an, an awesome, like super villain, even for like a, uh, like a superhero campaign. The, the idea of just this, like uh, this, this headless corpse carrying around the, uh, the, the head. Um, and it, it, it just like almost holding it underneath its arm and it's speaking and it's just, it's a beautiful image. Um, I, th- I think in a way, uh, Futurama kind of stole that with all the heads in the bottle thing, but no. even but in the later episodes there was the headless body of uh, uh, I think Newt Gingrich or something along the lines that would be that would walk around with Nixon's head and he was like Gingrich kill them you know it's just it's a phenomenal image uh, and back in the, the early 1900s that's it was horrific and I, I and I was really impressed uh, by by this wrapping it all up in, in this way. Right. I, I, like, as I, as I said before, I mean, the, 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 the head in a jar, the, 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 the brain in a, in a jar. I mean, I don't, I don't know if, if, if Lovecraft came, came up with those ideas, but I, I mean, Futurama is not the, the only show to, to have, you know, heads oh. in. Right. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I'm not saying that, but that is the, uh, I mean, I would have to say that Futurama is the first, uh, uh, medium in years. Uh, I mean, sure. You saw it all the time in the seventies. There's a numerous Frankenstein movies where there's heads in jars and, uh, or zombie movies and so forth. But, for, uh, Futurama is the first time in years that you actually see not only it being in like just one episode, it was in multiple episodes and, uh, uh very integral to some of the plots. Third third edition D and D even even had the the brain in a in a in a in a jar monster, which I think made it uh, into a miniature at at one point, which I'm sad that I don't own. I'm now going to have to find this miniature, and it will be mine. Yeah. Um. So I mean, this this story is really pretty darn simple. Uh. The the undead major. Uh, rounds up all of all of uh, Doctor West's failed uh, experiments, and they they go visit Doctor West at his house and sort of carry him off. Um, I, I I think they 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 send him a package first. Um. Uh, yeah. They they send him a box, uh, which uh, is, is to West. Um. 
And he is so scared of this box. West is so scared of this box because uh, uh, all of his failed experiments seem to be disappearing. Uh, uh, the, the, the cannibal killer the, and uh, gets out and is unable to be seen. And uh, the, 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 the image of the, the waxed faced man and, and so forth has gotten Herbert to the point of like crazy scared uh, that he gets this box, doesn't even open the box. And he just burns it. He's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Let's, let's burn this and let's get out. And then, but before that happens, that's when the, uh, the wax face man making, makes an appearance. Right. I think, I think the, the, the wall of his laboratory just like comes crack, comes crashing down. And there's like this army of zombies that, that's just sort of, uh, carry him off. And that's, that's the end of Dr. West. Yeah, he's actually, I believe, um, he's ripped limb from limb. I, I think he actually gets, uh, 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 he's actually like a, a torn apart, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, he he actually is. Okay. And then, of course, the, the cops are, uh, like ask the narrator, hey, what happened to West? Uh, <laughs> and, of course, uh, the narrator then uh, is considered mad i think he's uh uh locked up in the same asylum that the cannibal killer uh Halesley was um locked up and he's forever uh haunted uh by the, the the ongoings that happened that night not everything else that has gone through his in his life not the the you know the murdering of the salesman not the the, the kid's arm in his mouth no it was his best friend being like torn apart and uh taken away from him yeah, well, I don't. I don't think he he gets uh, locked up, but um, yeah, every everything else that you said, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the end of the terrible tale of Doctor Herbert West, uh, and and you were you were telling me that that they actually made this into a movie, and I've I've actually I've actually seen that movie for sale at several conventions. Okay. Yes. Um, the reanimator, which spawned several sequels, uh, brilliantly done by Jeffrey Combs. Uh, I don't know if you know Jeffrey Combs as an actor. Uh, he is a character actor. Um, fantastic character actor. He plays the same guy almost in everything, but he does it well. Um, interestingly enough, uh, from beyond the, uh, the story that we did, uh, um, uh, the previous story that we talked about, he also starred in, in a movie based on it, uh, in both cases, loosely based on it. Uh, the, the movie does have some, uh, great parts in it. Uh, uh, intestines jumping out of a person and strangling someone, uh, is a wonderful scene. Any horror aficionado should need to see it. It's schlocky. Uh, you're talking about schlock. This was in the same vein, dark humor. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, uh, movie. Um, but it's also important to note it is very loosely based on the story. Ooh, and uh, uh, apparently, I'm, I'm looking here on uh, Wikipedia. the The narrator gets a, gets a name. Uh, he he is Dan Kane in the movie. Oh yes, yes. And I, I think he went on to play Superman in the in the nineties. So yeah, it's um, so yeah. I mean, when it comes to uh, the Reanimator. It is definitely, uh, I have to say, when it comes to Lovecraft, not his best work. Uh, it's it's one that I do uh, like. It's not my favorite. 
Um, and it is definitely something that I think anybody who likes uh, uh, like really dark black comedies um, uh, or, or schlock uh, should just take a moment and read it. it it's, it's great. And it's uh, one of my favorite things about it is it's not nearly as wordy as I feel that Lovecraft was literally just trying to do this, get, get it done with, uh, mm-hmm. as his other stories, uh, which sometimes can get so wordy, they're, uh, it's, they're hard to read, but it, it's worth it in the end. All right. So uh, that's that's our review of Herbert West, our reanimator. Uh, if, if you've been listening this entire time and you and you don't have ideas for your D&D game, uh, I don't know, go back and listen uh, again. But... I think at this point we've said all that there is to say about Herbert West Reanimator. Um, thank you for joining me, Dan. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, and thank you all for listening. And the next story on our list is The Lurking Fear. And with me to talk about The Lurking Fear is, once again, Jeff Wickstrom. Welcome back. Hi, everybody. Hi, Dr. Jeff. Happy to be here. Okay. That was a Simpsons reference. It was it was kind of a sentence reference, yeah. It was kind of. So, The Lurking Fear was written uh, November 1922 and published uh, January to April 1923 in Homebrew. Uh, much like its uh, predecessor, Herbert West's Reanimator, uh, also published in Homebrew, uh, The Lurking Fear was a cereal. Uh, not the kind you eat with a spoon. Right, it was written in four parts, uh, in four consecutive issues. Uh, right. Herbert and West was written in six parts, I think. Yes, uh, and and listeners will will know that because we we just wrapped up our discussion of Herbert West, Reanimator. Ah, oh, dang! Wow. Okay, so you know you know much more about that than I would because you just wrapped that up. All right, moving on, moving on. Excellent. So what? What did you think of, of The Lurking Fear, Jeff? So The Lurking Fear is not one of the Lovecraft stories that I. Um, have been familiar with, you know, I've, I've read a lot of the, the big Lovecraft stories, you know, the call of Cthulhu and Pickman's model and the dream quest of unknown Kadath and the color out of space and yada, and, you know, done a chore, whisper in darkness, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. Yeah. If there's a, um, chaosium book built around it, I've probably read it, but I haven't read all of the, all of the lesser Lovecraft. And I think this definitely falls into the lesser Lovecraft category because it's sort of exactly what I would expect from a, like a generic Lovecraft story. The narrator is some guy who's interested in horrible things. He goes and investigates a mystery. Some people die and there's a horrible revelation at the end. Um, And it's pretty, it's, it's by the numbers. You know, it's, it's not, um, not Lovecraft's strongest work. I'm not saying it's bad by any means, but um, well, I, I I rather enjoyed it, and I I think there's there's uh, there's gems here. I mean, uh, for, first and 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 foremost, this this is a story about hunting a a monster, a a monster that that no one has 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 is has ever seen, and that no one has been able to track, and and that seemingly appears and and kills at random. And that I mean that that alone, right, is is a seed for an adventure, right? You you yeah, tell I, the... I would I would say that everything that Lovecraft does here, he does better in other stories, though. Is the thing if you're talking about the 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 setting, you know, up on Tempest Mountain and the Catskills, you know, Dunwich is is that same general sort of idea expressed. What I would call what I would say better. 
right? If you're talking about a family being um, rendered more bestial and feral and subhuman and corrupted, the Shadow of Rensmuth talks about that better. Uh, if you're talking about a guy hunting uh, mysterious monsters that he doesn't understand, the Whisperer in Darkness does that better. Um, we're 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 going chronologically through uh, Lovecraft's works. I mean, those those stories that that, that you all mentioned, those are those, ones yeah, that, those are all late. Right. Those are all late Lovecraft. That's true. And this is this is early to mid Lovecraft. Right. And I, so I, I hold Lovecraft to a really high standard. Obviously, we can we can we can see here the the building blocks, if you will, of those of those later tales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a fair way to look at it. So what what we have in the lurking fear is. A, a village of squatters in the Catskill uh, mountains has been entirely uh, slaughtered by some unknown thing. And there's a bunch of reporters who, who have come up to uh, investigate this, and, and our hero is, is one of these. Uh, and he, he gets a hint that, that while there's, there's this really creepy old house on uh, Tempest Mountain that uh, was inhabited by this this uh, Dutch family. Um, yeah, yeah, and he makes a couple of trips up there and decides that what he really needs to do is go up there and stay overnight. And it's it's, uh, the, it's the Martens Mansion. The Martens Mansion. Yeah, so we which were, was we were we were talking uh, uh, during 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 the temple about the uh, racist uh, U-boat captain. I I think this this is where Lovecraft shows uh, his racism because. Uh, the the Mar- Martens family is 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 Dutch. Well, they were Dutch, which is bad enough. But then right. they interbred with the locals and their servants, and so they're not even Dutch now. You know, the Dutch would be a step up from what the Martenses eventually uh, eventually became. Right. So they they were this 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 inbred hillbilly family living in the mountains, but. That even even that was a long time ago, and and the house has has been been been, been abandoned, and uh, eventually he relates the story of of uh, Jan Martens, the the last of the of the Martens family who uh, went off to fight in the in the Civil War and uh, the American Revolution. Oh, oh, was it okay? Yeah, that's it's that far back. Okay, and yeah. basically, like seeing the the wider world clued Jan into just how crazy his own family was and and he comes back to the mansion and says uh you're crazy i'm moving out and they say no you're not you're staying here forever uh and they they kill him and bury him in an unmarked grave and that's that's the last time a a martens ever leaves the catskill mountains yeah and then over time they become more reclusive they uh and and they just as far as as we know uh, they sort of die out right Right, so uh, our our hero spends a night in in the house, and and the first chapter is just sort of your basic uh, creepy haunted house. He he hires two guys to to go, to go with him, and they're they're all sleeping, I guess, in this in this one big bed. Yeah, it was Jan Martens's bedroom. Right, and the guy thinks that the ultimate villain here is the ghost of Jan Martens. It's not really clear why he thinks that, but that's his initial guess going in. Well, it's it's, um, it's a good guess, you know. It's, I mean, it's reasonable. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of evidence either way, but it's a it's a, it's, a, it's as good a starting point as any. Mm-hmm. So he talks he talks a little bit about how they go to uh, some links to try to set up a a good like uh, perch. 
so they have the fire going in the fireplace and they're in the, this sort of, uh, ruined bed, which is right by the window. And then they have some rope ladders that they have attached that are hanging down out of the window. So if something comes in through the window, they can run over to the fire and into the house and get away from it that way. If something comes out, uh, out of the interior of the house, they can go out through the window and they should be safe either way. Uh, and so the, and our, our nameless narrator has one guy behind him at the window and one guy in front of him at the, at the fire. And they're all three hunkered down waiting to see what will happen. And what happens is everybody dies. Well, except for, yeah, except for, except for him. It's just the, the two fellas. Right. Uh, the, the, the thing comes in, in, in the night and, and kills both of, both of his, his, his companions and, uh, somehow spares him. Yeah. For, for no reason that is, uh, that is made clear, but that, you know, who knows? Um, and, and yeah, so, that's the that's the first first chunk of it right there. Right, and 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 so he 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 goes back to town and and gets uh, another hapless uh, companion, uh, Arthur right. Arthur Mon- Monroe, and and they decide that they're going to investigate uh, the village where 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 everybody died, right? And yeah, where the massacre took place. Right, and and we learn that uh, the the massacre happened uh, during during a storm. So they're 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 kind of thinking that 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 storms are what draws the monster, like maybe or or maybe it's 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 it, it's flying, because it it just seems to come out of nowhere and it, it doesn't really leave any any tracks. Uh, so they're they're looking around this this you know ab- abandoned uh, v- uh, village and what happens is it it starts uh, it starts uh, to to storm again. Yeah, you got, yeah, they have a storm coming up, so they take uh, shelter inside a some kind of shack with some guys. Well, it's just um, it's just him and and Arthur, I think. Is it? But, uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I'm looking at the text right here. Something about it. A few of the number younger men were were sufficiently inspired by our protective leadership to promise to help. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they maybe they scatter. Okay, but I mean, I I actually found this part like. Uh, really, really creepy. I, like, like I, I, I liked the the build and the and the and the reveal. I don't, I don't know if it if it worked for you, but they're 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 caught in this storm and it's very cinematic. Right. The the narrator's friend is sort of like leaning out the window, trying to see what's going on, and and like it's just getting, you know, the you know the 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 wind is picking up and and there's this thunder and and lightning and our our, our hero can't really hear he's and, uh, the, yeah the guy Monroe is is saying something but he can't hear what it is and um, and he he like like taps Arthur on the shoulder and turns him around and like his his face has just been 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 clawed off yeah uh where, you know while while the guy was standing there his his face was chewed off Right, something something came and 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 killed him and and then left, and and like just just like in in mid sentence, like you know during this during this storm, while our our hero couldn't really hear, mm-hmm. and 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 we're just supposed to, to to take away. Oh, it's 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 that, it's it's that sudden, it's that silent. Like it can it can strike at at any moment out of out of nowhere. Ooh, you know, um, yeah. 
then in the in the third section, he finds out that simultaneous with uh, with Monroe getting his face ripped off, uh, there was some other uh, attack going on. Or am I shooting ahead? Uh, we're, I, I think you're 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 shooting ahead. So the the third part has. Uh, oh, the third part's the backstory. The uh, is it okay? Well, the the title is is what the red glare meant, which is. A one of the, one of the more obscure, hard to understand uh, reveals in in but uh, so so basically uh, our, our narrator decides that uh, he really doesn't want to get any more other people killed. So he goes back to the mansion by himself. He's just he's just going to do this himself, and he he starts digging up Jan Martens's grave because that's a good idea. That's well. That's still his theory is that it's Jan Martens's ghost in some way. So Jan Martens's grave is the you know, I mean, you when you're investigating these things, you follow every lead that you have, and right. digging up the digging up Jan Martens seems like the best available option. I can kind of I can kind of appreciate that. Speaking as somebody who has played a lot of like investigatory investigatory mm-hmm. scenarios where you kind of run out of ideas and you're like, I'm going to do this. I don't think it's a very good idea, but I can't think of anything else to do. Right. So so he he digs and I he he doesn't find. Well, he what 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 he finds is is actually a a secret tunnel, underground, right? And and he's he's crawling around underground, and and he sees what he thinks is is the monster, right? He he sees some eyes reflecting, off of his his uh, torchlight. A red glare, yeah. Right, and it it just so happens to be, uh, storming again, and the and the tunnel uh, uh, collapses, but um. Later, he like he, he he emerges from 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 a tunnel and he sees a, a red glare in the in the distance. That's the that's the red glare in the in the title. And what he learns is that while while he was locking eyes with this monster, th- there was a monster in another village that that the villagers had had captured and and burned down in inside of a of a house. So so what yes. the red glare meant was that there's more than one monster. Yes. Which means that the ghost of Jan Martinez theory, probably not, uh, not actionable. Going to have to come up with something better. It, well, it's, it's definitely so, something solid and, and not a ghost. Yeah. Um, so the, the fourth part is, is where he, he goes back again uh, to explore these underground uh, tunnels, and and it's it's where he he finally from from his his hiding spot. So it's it's at this point in in the story where he witnesses a a whole host of these uh, right creatures. This is, the point, this is the point at which he discovers that the Martinez family did not die out uh, sometime prior to 1810, as he had been led to believe. But in fact, there were thousands of them, and they had interbred with the locals and become these degenerate ape creatures who lived underground um, and were, you know, deformed hairy devils, which is what you get when you mix Dutchmen and Native Americans, apparently. Right. If you if you if you leave uh, Dutch people alone in in the woods for for hundreds of years, they will eventually uh, devolve into rat people. 
but so the 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 monster in the story is is not just is not just one monster it's 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 a whole horde of monsters and they 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 get around through these underground tunnels that's why no one can no one can, can find them yeah follow them and and that's how uh our hero's two companions were were killed uh in the in 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 the first chapter cuz one they came, can just yeah they could just come and go as they please right. one came up through the house one came up through the outside um and they really never had a chance and I, I, I think there, there actually was a, a Call of Cthulhu scenario based off of this story, where you, you actually do go through like a series of Warrens, and, and it's, it's full of these, these things. And, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, of, of D and D monsters that are, in, inspired by these creatures. I'm thinking of, of, uh, of uh, gibberlings. Yeah, well, I think this is just like the classic D and D scenario of you have a nest of these bestial feral humanoids and you have to go in there and kill them all with fire right i think this is the this is the antecedent of the keep on the borderlands here uh what we're seeing interesting although i think i think the monsters in in, in keep on the borderlands were, were a tad more civilized they they at at, at least were, were able to to construct you know clothes and armor and and weapons i mean these these things are just you know rat, you know rat, rat men yeah, yeah, this, yeah, they're completely, uh, completely feral and don't use, they don't use utensils. So, I mean, I, I really, I, I, I enjoyed this story. I guess you didn't, uh, and enjoy it so much, but I, I still think, think that there's, that there's, there's a, a lot to, to take away from it. Yeah, I, I mean, Lovecraft does a lot of things really well, and this story hits a lot of his, his high points. Um, and like, like you say, it was written a good five, 10 years before, uh, before these later stories that I'm comparing it to. Uh, so it's maybe not fair of me to say this is, you know, not as good as the Dunwich Horror and the Whisper in Darkness and the Shadow over Innsmouth. But I think if you took the Dunwich Horror and the Shadow uh, over Innsmouth and the Whisper in Darkness, and you kind of put them all together in a blender and then you made a four-part serial out of it and you published that serial in Homebrew Magazine, you would maybe get something kind of similar to this. And it, I, I, I think it's it's worth mentioning that that the the popular stories are... Are are going to be to be the ones that if that that your your players will have will will have read. So it 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 behooves you uh, to read uh, the less popular stories because you can you can surprise more people that that way. That's a good point. You know, a while back I was running a game of uh, Rogue Trader, and every plot that I came up with was based on an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. But it was based on an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation from the first season, which you know nobody remembers and everybody hates so that was great there you go and and it's been like 20 years so you you you've had time to to examine everything wrong with those episodes Mm -hmm. exactly right exactly so you just you just just take out uh uh, wesley crusher right uh we did take out wesley crusher yes a lot lot of space monsters in those early episodes i don't really watch star trek so i'm just i'm just shooting in in the dark, but that's okay. I probably shouldn't have brought it up. We're not talking about Star Trek. We're talking about one of Lovecraft's lesser <laughs> stories. You know, uh, what? I I am sure that that there are are tons of Star Trek episodes that take inspiration from Lovecraft. Lovecraft was the master, and he inspired a a great deal of of latter twentieth century fiction. Yeah, it's, I think it is literally impossible to overstate the extent to which Lovecraft 
influenced 20th century horror fiction and it's it's, it's pretty much love lovecraft and or tolkien yeah i mean i was uh as part of this whole project i recently reread the call of cthulhu and something that i noticed in the call of cthulhu that i'd never noticed before and i've read it many you know not many times several times uh is how similar the basic plot structure is to the movie ghostbusters ghostbusters is basically call of cthulhu fanfic well why don't you save that great notion for when we talk about the Call of Cthulhu in our next episode, coming soon to to a podcast near you. You know I will, Jeff. All right. Thank you for joining me, Jeff, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you for having me, Jeff, and uh, everybody go to jeffwick.com, J-E-F-F-W-I-K.com. Read my books. They're available print-on-demand now. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And with me to talk about the rats in the walls is, once again, Jay Kent. Welcome back, Jay. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It feels like I just talked to you five minutes ago. Yeah, well, you know, time flies when you're having fun. So. But that, but that couldn't be possible because it's been it's been, been a week, right? Well, we both got sucked into the vortex of mu- by the music of Eric Zahn, so we've been transported through time and space, and oh we goodness. find ourselves here again recording. So, and that that, that yeah. whole experience has been wiped from from my memory. All right. You know, strangely, I have tidbits, fascination things. It's driving me insane, but. Not that I don't remember much of the experience itself. So, The Rats in the Walls was written between August and September 1923 and was published March 1924 in Weird Tales. Uh, interestingly enough, the cover story that month was something called The Spirit Figures of Hermannstadt by Harry Houdini, which just paints a picture of like the, the time period because apparently Harry Houdini was a thing at the time. Yeah. And that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, uh, The Rats in the Walls was initially rejected by Argosy All Story Weekly, publisher of uh, Burroughs' Mars Stories, uh, as being too horrible for the tender sensibilities of a delicately nurtured public. (laughs) Apparently, he never read Mr. Lovecraft prior. So... So, uh, John Carter uh, eviscerating green men is, is, is just fine, but, but uh, the rats in the walls is, is just too much. Uh, probably because well, of, the, of, the, of the cannibalism at the end, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. But spoilers, we're, we're getting, getting ahead of ourselves. Um, the publisher of Weird Tales, uh, J.C. Henneberger, uh, described the story as the best the magazine had ever received. And it was the story that inspired a young man by the name of Robert E. Howard to write to Weird Tales, and his letter was passed on to Mr. Lovecraft, leading the two to become good friends. And as you know, Jay, Robert E. Howard went on to create... Conan the Barbarian. (laughs) Yes, Conan the Barbarian, and we'll we'll be getting to him in a couple months, I believe. All right. Plus a whole host of other characters too, but uh, yeah, yeah, Conan's definitely Mr. Howard's. Uh, and and this this story that, was inspired quite innocently, according to Lovecraft, by uh, him uh, observing the the cracking of wallpaper in his in his house late in in the night. So if you have an well, unhinged I, I, mind, I, I, yeah, I was gonna say I'd love to see what he'd get out of watching grass grow. You know, 
uh, we'd get tentacle grass that just that that devours. Um, <laughs> uh, lawn, You're kind of like the mouth of Cthulhu, <laughs> right? Okay, so um, Jay, who is who is the hero of this of this story? Uh, that's a good question. Um, oh, that's right. It's it, it's uh, Monsieur de la Peur. Or Delapore, I guess, is what they... Walter Delapore, 11th Walter. Baron Exum. Yep. Yep. But once again, he is... Well, he has a French name, but he, he lives... His ancestry comes from England. So, and I guess he has inherited the Exum Priory, which is a basically a, a manor house that has fallen into ruin because of something that happened several hundred years ago and has forced his family to flee England. Some incident that the locals are uh, shun and refuse to discuss in, in open and, conversation. And when we, when we meet him, he's a businessman um, living, living in New England, I believe. Living, living at, yeah, well, in, in, in Massachusetts, which is which is Lovecraft yeah. country. Um, yep. But his, like, his, I mean, his his family's history in America isn't isn't that pretty either. They were they were a, a prominent Southern family in in uh, in Virginia, and uh, I believe their their home Carfax was burned down during during the during the Civil War. So like all already like we're 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 trying to 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 piece uh to, together a a very storied ancestry for this for this man. His his ancestors originally came from 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 England. They they had this weird reputation. Uh eventually one of the scions of the Delaporte family uh fled to America um uh but not not before uh killing everyone else. And, and 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 being being pardoned by uh, the, the 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 Church of England uh, for for his deeds, uh, and and then yeah. uh, after they established themselves in in America, their their mansion in 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 uh, Virginia is is burned down during during the during the Civil War, and then right. his his well, son. The, well, to get back to the interesting thing about the incident of his. The man, uh, his mansion in Virginia burning down was that in that mansion was so so this incident that had happened in in England right was never spoken of and in fact they, they never talked about it in families except at one point and that was every time that one generation passed to another there was an envelope that was given to the next of kin or the heir and that envelope would explain what would what had happened well right. unfortunately yeah. his grandfather had died in the fire and that that envelope was no longer available. So he has no idea what it was that that happened or why his name was so accursed in in his mother country. But it 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 surely must have a a perfectly plausible scientific explanation, right? Oh, of course. Yes. Absolutely. So we 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 get to modern times and Mr. Delapore's son is a fighter pilot in World War 1. Uh, and makes friends with a uh, British man by by the name of of, of Norris, uh, and and that's how uh, Walter Delapore learns of his his ancestry. He's like, oh, are you Delapore of of Exum Priory? Well, I I live near this castle, and and a bunch of Delapores used to live there. And they they say it's haunted, but you know, 
that's just local superstition. Oh, you 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 should come and and see your castle sometime, right? Um, yeah. And they and and he and and his son and this this Captain Norris just sort of strike up this this uh, uh, friendship. And uh, Walter, being this this rich uh, businessman, uh, decides to to purchase um, Exum Exum Priory. Yeah. Well, he kind of does so out of despondency. His son dies, so his son, you know, he's in the war. His does son that, does that has first? Uh, sustained. Uh, uh, yes, I believe so. Uh, uh, I'm no, sorry, you're actually, right. Actually, Walter. No, I, I'm sorry. Walter's the the his his ancestor who who fled from England. I, I think our protagonist is is actually doesn't have a first name. He's just Mister. Yeah. So. I, I I apologize to to any uh, 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 Lovecraft nerds out there that that I've I've offended, but uh, all right, I I, I stand corrected. Uh, Jay, what what were you saying? Oh, I, I actually you you are correct. He purchases the priory prior to his son's death. Right. So yeah. And and they're 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 all set to move in, and and then uh, his his son returns from the war uh, wounded, and he spends a year like taking care of him. And, and then he unfortunately passes away, and you know during during the year that he's taking care of of his son, he's let his business languish, so he's he's left as a a an, an impoverished middle aged childless man, but he's got a castle, so he just decides he's going to spend uh, the rest of his days uh, restoring his his family manse, and just trying to move on with with his with his life um so he he does so <clears throat> and he he moves moves to england and and uh he he's living in the village while he's uh restoring his family uh manor and and, and that's when he he starts learning like all the all the sort of lurid tales that uh the townspeople tell about about um the Delapore family. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. He, he, you know, he, uh, like you said, with, with Norris, uh, who doesn't put much stock in the tales, but he quickly learns that his ancestry is shunned and has been, you know, this is for a, a great length of time. So whatever happened was so terrible that it, you know, the rumor and the, and the imagery of it has persisted for, you know, the memory of it has persisted for several hundred years. I mean, you know, Nowadays, something like that ha- happens. It's gone in two weeks for us. It, but uh, you know, this—it must be something that's horrible that's happened at this particular time. And this, so we, uh, Love Lovecraft actually gives like a a fairly detailed history of of this this site, like going going all the way back to uh, prehistoric times. Like it was it was a site of of worship of. Uh, uh, Sibylla and and Magna Mater, like he 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 mentions these these uh, like first these ancient uh, deities and then and then uh, Roman deities and like as as like different waves of people kept coming through England and and conquering the British Isles, the the site like sort of changes hands several times, but it's it's always this very sinister site of some kind of worship of some kind of dark forces. Well, right? and he, he does a beautiful job in those, in, especially in that one paragraph 
paragraph. In fact, if I'm if I'm at the right paragraph you're talking about, I'm fairly certain I am. He does a beautiful job of setting up the scene such that he says, you know, in, he's he's giving you reason to anticipate what the cause of whatever future trouble in the story is going to happen. You know, the is he puts a druidical or even anti-druidical thing, you know, and he, like he, as you mentioned, all these deities who have been worshipped, and you know, there was a temple there apparently on the site where his home was, and and it must be something related to something that happened, you know, in in you know prehistory that caused uh, whatever tragedy that you know forced his family out of England. He he does a great job of setting that up in those in that paragraph or two. And for for those of you who who are fans of the wider uh, Lovecraft uh, mythos. Uh, Magna Magna Mater is is widely assumed to be uh, Shub Niggurath, who who's not, who's not actually I don't think mentioned in the story, but Shub Niggurath is sort of the the evil Earth Mother deity in in the Lovecraft mythos, and I, I don't think she was actually a, a creation of of Lovecraft, but I could be I could I could be wrong, but. Um, uh, those of those of you who who need a need a mythos connection, um, there there it is because I, I I don't think there's there's any other Lovecraft entities actually mentioned in in the story. Um, well, yeah, I mean, well, Magna Mater was. I mean, I'm looking. I just did a quick look up on uh, Wikipedia. Magna Mater, of course, is proceeds. You know, it was an a- actual Roman deity, uh, Mother Earth or Mount. Mountain mother, or something like that, you know. So she was an actual deity, was worshipped, right? And and, and so uh, was uh, so was uh, Sibylla. Well, according to this, in Rome, Sibylla was known as Magna Mater. So, right. oh, okay. In, in some, in some mythos, at least, maybe not all of them, but in some of them, they were actually the same person. So, yeah. So it's the 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 Lovecraft mythos is sort of this 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 construct that was sort of started by by Lovecraft himself, but then like expanded on by by fans who were who were trying to tie. Like all of Lovecraft's stories uh, together, and you know, you know Love, Lovecraft was was friends with like a, a circle of writers who would who would who would also write stories using using names and words that that Lovecraft had uh, created. So like even uh, even though like all these stories aren't set necessarily in the in the same universe, like fa- fans try and figure out oh what like what was really going on, like what's really 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 behind this, and so. The the popular explanation is is that this is a a site of worship of uh, Shub, mm. as she's known the 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 black goat of the woods with a, with a thousand young, uh, but that that's neither here 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 nor there. Getting getting back to the story, um, so finally the 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 land is granted to uh, Gilbert Delaporte, first Baron Exum in twelve sixty one, and and almost <laughs> like. Almost immediately within within uh, fifty years, uh, the 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 Delapore family is is referred to as as being cursed of God, uh, in 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 some writings, and he he goes on to mention uh, like some like of the more uh, notorious uh, uh, family members. My favorite is, let me see if if I can find it. Uh, the hideous tale of Mary Delapore who shortly after her marriage to the Earl of Shrewsfield was killed by him and his mother, both of the slayers being absolved and blessed by the priest to whom they confessed what they dared not repeat to the world. So he doesn't tell you what she did, 
but clearly she was so bad that yeah. that 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 go his... in peace my son you have done good work <laughs> yeah you're, you're you're just sort of left to the uh, uh, imagination which is is where lovecraft is at at his best where he he gives you just enough that you can sort of fill in the dots yourself and it's it's way more horrible than than anything he could put on paper um yeah. and, and that passage is is just funny like it's 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 horrible but it's but but it's funny um and there's there's also this this mention that uh shortly after uh Walter Delaporte the the last uh Delaporte to reside in in the castle murdered his his family and and fled uh there there was this like swarm of rats that like emerged from uh the 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 ruins of the castle and just like like swarmed over the countryside sorry Swarmed over the countryside and and, and village and like uh, devoured some some people and and cattle. Yeah, well, and and this we see as the basis for going into the basement to kill all the rats as your first quest in D anD. d Yes, kill kill the rats <laughs> before they kill you. Yes. Uh, and there's, I mean, there's, um, okay. Well, the rat swarm. I mean, that's you know, I mean, kind of there's historical basis for rat swarms, but you get this very, very uh, disturbing image of this, this, this sea of rats descending upon this town and almost like, almost like uh, termites just completely stripping bare everything that has anything, anything organic, you know, people are just being mowed down by this, you know, if you're caught in the swarm, they just, uh, they just, you know, basically clean your bones to white in a matter of seconds kind of imagery. And so, Finally, after about about uh, about a year of, of of living in the village and and being like shunned by the by the villagers, uh, work work is finally complete on the castle, and Mister Delaporte uh, moves in, and he's he's uh, checking out the place, and it's it's when he spends like his first night there that like something weird happens. Um. He he. I just say I just love the name of his cat. Yes, I, mean, so, I hate it, but I love it. It's just it's like so politically incorrect for nowadays. It, you're right. It's it, it's a thing that that we talk about often on on this on this show. His his, his cat's name is N word man. I yeah. I can't say the N word or I I won't say the N word on the air. But no. you you can no. guess what what it is, and it's. Yeah. It like like many things that we bring up on this show, it's just a sign of the times, and there's yeah. there's lots of debate over whether or not Lovecraft was a racist. I say, of, well, of course he was. He was a white man living in Providence, Rhode Island, in the 1920s. Of course he was a racist. Um, that doesn't mean he's not also a great writer, and it is it is what it is. Um, well, and, and I, I imagine quite a few people who read this story for the first time are, are perhaps more shocked by the name of the cat than the actual story itself. Probably. I know I, I had, I was like, wow, really? Whoa. So, yes, he's, he's got a, 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 a black cat, which with, with a, for the time, probably fairly typical name. Um, and in the, in the middle of the night, he's, he's woken up, um, 
Mr. Mr. Delaporte and, and his cat are, are woken up by the sound of rats in the walls. Amazing. It, it, it just sounds like there's a, a horde of rats in the walls and they are, I believe, uh, de- descending. Like, it, it, it sounds like, like they're scurrying from somewhere in the ceiling towards somewhere in the basement. Even, even though he's fairly sure that there there's, isn't really a floor of, above him. And the walls are solid stone, so how could there, like, there, there's nothing for the rats to crawl through? Yep. So that's creepy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it is. It's very it's very it's like whoa. <laughs> like well, how did like that he happen? he questions the servants and they didn't hear anything, but some of them mentioned that like their their cats like woke up and started misbehaving and and whatnot. Uh and I think later later he he has this weird I don't know if it's the same night or not, but he has this dream about a shepherd in like this this valley full of weird like white flabby beasts. Yeah. That, that yeah, he kind of like, what he, are those? Uh, he, he, he the not, not a, not a shepherd, a, a, a swine herd. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he's, he's, he's like somehow like he, he can't quite understand why, but he's, he's very disturbed by the, by the, by the, uh, appearance of these of these fungus flabby beasts right fills him with unutterable loathing wasn't there a there in the cthulhu mythos is there not one of the one of the beasts that has a very similar you know one of the lower level minions in the, the all fire? all of there's a lot of beasts that well i mean fungus fat flabby beasts is a very vague description there's there's probably a, a whole slew of creatures that would match that description but we, yeah, we, I just I saw that I, I listened to it. And I was like, oh, yeah, or I read it. I should but say. spoilers, I like, we we will actually learn what those things were, and and they were not mythos creatures. Um, we're, we're okay. So he he calls in uh, Captain Norris, uh, to to help him out, and and they're like this this happens a a, a couple times, and he calls in Captain Norris, and they they search the house and. You know, there, there's nothing but behind the walls. The walls are solid stone. You know, how, how is this happening? And they, they eventually venture into the basement. It's it's always the basement, right? And Yeah. Is, is this where they find the crypt, or is there something before the crypt? Um, uh, no, they, they go, well, yeah, they, it's, uh, is it a crypt? I thought it was like an uh, an altar or something like that so oh, like okay a, well i i play so much D, the difference between a, a sarcophagus and an and an, and an altar it, it it all runs runs together um but yeah they 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 find this this creepy basement with with scrawling in in uh, latin on the on the walls and and there's this altar well, let's take one step one step back if you don't mind okay so he so he he experiences all these things including you know during his waking hours you know he wakes up and he switches on the lights and he sees you know once again like you said these rats are moving it seems to be like under a tapestry right. and the cats of course are going you know bat crazy everything like that and um you know and, and as you've mentioned the servants they don't hear anything but of course they complain about the cats being you know going crazy and things like that but he he's experiencing not just in his dreams but in in the waking world you know where, where at least he thinks he's in the waking world and so, of course, he decides he's going to go uh, 
Well, yeah, actually, so yeah, we we joined the story back to where you were talking. He he descends into the basement, and he comes across, um, it's like an altar or something like that. Uh, and apparently, the uh, it's 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 an altar to Attis. I'm trying to. There's there that. there's so many different like weird deities mentioned here that it's it it all. I've I've got the book in in front of me, and I'm just sort of uh, skimming, but. He so he he spends the night with Captain Norris in this cellar, right. and yep. it happens again. And Captain Norris can't hear anything, but he sees Mister Delaporte freaking out, and he sees the cat freaking out. So Captain Norris is 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 very accepting that something is happening, that his friend is not just, you know it imagining this and going crazy there's there's really something happening uh and they they eventually like push aside the the altar and lo and behold well, they go they so so actually so they i mean sorry to interrupt but no problem. they um he uh you know him and norris are down there and like you said norris doesn't hear anything in fact uh he laughs at him when he lets out this just this you know uh horrid scream he laughs at him and says ah, you know what are you but they do you know in in a classic indiana jones type style he notices that the flame of the lantern or or whatever light source they were using flickers when they're examining this altar their base of the altar such that there must be some sort of airflow ergo there's something underneath it it's not solid stone underneath this altar so they they talk, talk about opening it up and they can't and so they're like you know what let's go get some specialists and so they head back to london London, and they get like five extra guys, and you know one of them he he names one of them supposed to be this this acclaimed uh, archaeologist or anthropologist or something like that, and they all come back, and then they go down into this vault as, as he describes it. Uh, they go down to this vault and start examining this uh, this altar that they found. Right, I, I I thought that they had managed to push aside the altar first before, but yeah. So, uh, so eventually they, 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 they do go to town and get like a bunch of, uh, arch archeologists. Yeah. Oh, here it says, it should be mentioned that before leaving the sub cellar, we had vainly tried to move the central altar, which we now recognized as the gate to a new pit of nameless fear. What secret would open the gate wiser men than we would have to find. So yeah, they had, they were unable to open it. They just were able to realize that something's underneath it, but they couldn't quite push it. They couldn't quite get it. Uh, open so they 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 acquire a, a bunch of uh, specialists in including uh sir william brinton and a, ho a whole bunch of of other people um yeah i, I wish, I, wish I could remember the them so. them all because some of them are pretty interesting yeah there's a, one of them's named thornton but I, I think their names are just incidental to the story you know? Did you actually look up Sir Sir William Brinton? Was uh, he a real person? I, or? I don't think he's a real person. But anyway, as they get down into the vault, uh, Mister Sir Brinton gets it popped open, and there they stand. So they 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 push aside this this altar, and I, I think the first thing they see are these steps leading down that are just covered with bones. Yep. And they they descend into into the into the earth. And they they find this this cavern with a whole bunch of buildings in it from different time periods. Yeah. 
There's, so, there's, I mean, not only, but the bones are just like they're, they've been chewed on by rats. They're picked clean. There's little, you know, gnaw, there's little gnaw marks on them from, you know, rodent gnawing and things like that. Uh, and, but the skulls are not like all human either. I mean, they're, they're like, as he called the skulls denoted nothing short of utter idiocy, cretinism, or primitive semi-apedom. You know, they're just, they're, they're just weird. They're not, you know, it's not like they're all just normal human skulls and bones. It's, you know, they're just, they range from primitive ancestry to, to, you know, relative modern times. So this, this place is basically very old and it's been, been a site of demon worship and cannibalism and all sorts of horrible, horrible things for a very long time. Right. They, they find what is, is basically a, a butcher shop. Uh, they, they find, uh, you know, pens where, where, where animals were kept, but they, they basically figure out that, um, those, those white flabby things that, uh, Delaporte sees in, in his dream, those are, those are basically people, you know, people who've, who've been kept in subterranean captivity and, 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 and fattened and, and probably like, like inbred until they're, they're barely even human anymore. Yeah. And and they're yeah, just, this they're was, just this was this is really where it starts getting yeah Lovecraft at his best. I mean, this is just really. I mean, this is like you know something. Do you remember that episode of X Files where uh, it's you know it's the the one lady who can't move and she has like all the kids and they're just you know it's like one big family that's inbred. It's just yeah, very much like that here. But this is fifty years in the, in the well. You in the past. you should you should read. Um, the lurking fear, which I just talked about uh, previously with my other guest. Um, okay, it, that's that. that's a lot like uh, this story, which our listeners will know because we just talked about it not that long ago. So I mean, this this is like my my favorite part of of the story. Um, eventually. They, they they just find these pits that are, are are just filled with rat bones, and and we're we're, we're given to to assume that that this is is where the rat swarm that that we heard about uh, came from, right? And and Mister Delapore is just sort of leaning over, like gazing into the abyss, and the abyss like gazes back, basically, and. Yeah. Yep. I mean this this is this is my probably my 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 favorite passage and I I think I'm going to I'm just I'm just going to read the whole damn damn thing cuz I just I just love it so much. Once my foot slipped near a horribly yawning brink and I had a moment of ecstatic fear. I must have been musing a long time for I could not see any of the party but the plump Captain Norris. Then there came a sound from that inky boundless farther distance that I thought I knew, and I saw my old black cat dart past me like a winged Egyptian god straight into the illimitable gulf of the unknown. But I was not far behind, for there was no doubt after another second. It was the eldritch scurrying of those fiend-born rats, always questing for new horrors and determined to lead me on even unto those grinning caverns of Earth's center where near Lathotep the mad faceless god howls blindly in the darkness to the piping of two amorphous idiot flute players. 
My searchlight expired, but I still ran. I heard voices and yowls and echoes, but above all their... But above all there gently rose that impious, insidious scurrying, gently rising, rising as a stiff-bloated corpse gently rises above an oily river that flows under endless onyx bridges to a black, putrid sea. Something bumped huh. into me, something soft and plump. It must have been the rats, the vicious, gelatinous, ravenous army that feasts on the dead and the living. Why shouldn't the rats eat Adela Poor as Adela Poor eats forbidden things? The war ate my boy, damn them all, and the Yanks ate Carfax with flames and burnt grandsire Adela Poor in the secret. No, no, I tell you, I am not that demon swineherd in the twilight grotto. It was not Edward Norris's face on that flabby fungus thing. Who says I am Adela Poor? He lived, but my boy died. Shall a Norris hold the lands of Adela Poor. It is voodoo, I tell you, that spotted snake. Curse you, Thornton. I'll teach you to faint at what my family do. And then he just, he just sort of like devolves into like first, like Cockney English and then like Gaelic and, and, and Roman. Finally, he's just like, like muttering like Gibbering, a, like a yeah. caveman. And it's, it's brilliant and I love it. Ah, yeah. I got, I, I kind of got carried, carried away there, but it, that that is my favorite thing in 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 all of Lovecraft. So hopefully you didn't get carried away like he did, though. So no, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. And I love I love the next transition. It's just like you know it, it sort of cuts right there. I mean, you can imagine you know if you, if this were made into a movie, you know it would cut right there. And the next scene, he's sitting there in his cell, and uh, yeah, it's very 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 well done. So. He he goes crazy and eats Captain Norris and and is Captain is Norris, locked yeah. up and uh, the castle we 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 hear is we we actually hear this at the beginning of the story this this, this is, is the is the very first thing that he tells us that that the castle is going to be blown up with dynamite. Yep. Well, even worse than that, they took his cat away from him. I know. <laughs> You can't <laughs> take, take a horrible. man's cat away. No, I was just, you know, probably like, how dare you name your cat that and take him away? So I was just, you know. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure that that, they, that, that, that word was <laughs> used quite freely at that time and, and, and no white person thought anything of it. Yeah, it was. It's kind of. So, okay, so two, two questions for you, Jeff. Okay. So what what was the impetus for his devolvement there. Um, I, I think what, whatever, whatever lived in that pit just, just seized him. And so do you think it was like a, a, a supernatural power that was, you know, something, some sort of malevolent entity, which possessed him or maybe just, you know, whatever the, the nature was, of the surroundings drove him. There was so what's what's going on in the story is that there's clearly something really bad living underneath the castle, possibly Shub Nigoroth, but it, who who knows what? And it's it's been worshipped since time immemorial by generations of. Of, of different uh, civilizations and, and most recently by the Delapore family. And it's, it's in his blood. Like it's, it's, it's a part of who he is and returning to his family land 
and restoring the castle awakens this this thing and it, it it's calling to him like the 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 like the the rats in the walls are are the call of this of this thing like drawing mr delaporte down like you know meet you know come come to me meet your your destiny this is what you were born to right. be right it, it, it's right. like the, it 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 mentions that after they find um the 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 altar uh, after after that that night, like he he sleeps there a couple more nights, and he stops hearing hearing the rats, because he's right. he's he's found the like he's he's found what the entity needed him to find his sanctuary, right? Yeah. And like like this 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 whole raving paragraph that, that I just I just read to you, like he's he 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 he's going backwards through his own ancestry. Like he he, he starts out speaking English. And then he, he talks about his his son dying, and then he he he's speaking you know uh, Cockney English, and then he's speaking Roman, and then he's speaking you know caveman. Yeah. So that, that's a very interesting interpretation. Did did Lovecraft, to my knowledge, never actually wrote uh, uh, what you might say explanations or revelations or what we would call spoilers to his. To his uh, his stories. Oh, See, no. The interesting thing is, I have a slightly not. I have a slightly different interpretation. Which, um, as I was re- reading this, you know, I, I thought the same thing you did the first time. I thought, oh, there's some malevolent entity below that has somehow summoned him, and he's you know. But I was rereading it, and I think he just went insane. I think it's as pure and simple as that. I don't think there's anything. I think he he's in a, he's in a lineage that has um, that you know suffers from. I'm guessing, you know, some sort of uh, very acute form of like schizophrenia or something like that. Um, and basically, he just goes insane. He, the the rats uh, all made up. Now, his ancestors probably had similar delusions and built this, this I don't know, colony or whatever it is beneath the manor. Um, but, you know, and maybe there was a site for druids or something that probably just propagated their insanity and caused it, you know, focused it more. The reason, and the reason is this is because there's a paragraph in here. Mm. Um, when he's back in America. So, you know, he's, he's, his family has left England. They're now in America and he has a cousin. Um, I'll just read the paragraph. These myths and ballads typical as they were of crude superstition repelled me greatly. Their persistence and their application to so long a line of my ancestors were especially annoying. Whilst the imputation of monstrous habits proved unpleasantly reminiscent of the one known scandal of my immediate forebears. In other words, uh, in other words, not everything bad that's happened to his family is attributed solely to this location. The case of my cousin, young Randall Randolph Delapore of Carfax, meaning in Virginia, who went among the Negroes and became a voodoo priest after he returned from the Mexican War. So his ancestry, it's not just something that's located in this priory where they all go nuts. So he even has a, a, mm-hmm. a case where after they sailed across the ocean, he has a cousin who's not even a direct, you know, not a brother or someone from his immediate family. So this is something that's whatever this particular insanity, cause of insanity is in his, his line, his line of ancestry is, you know, somehow inherited by his cousin. And consequently, you know, like I said, he goes crazy. And, and I mean, granted, he does, as far as we know, he doesn't say he becomes a, a cannibal, but he definitely... Mm-hmm runs off to assume a alternative lifestyle not common to to uh to affluent gentlemen within 
within the time period. So, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I was, um, this particular story, I love this story um, as, you know, as a pre, as in contrast to my, our previous story mm-hmm. that we discussed, my analysis was I didn't really care for it. It was okay, but, right. but this one I loved. And I, one reason I loved it, I mean, besides just the sheer grittiness and the, and the you know, the, the, the horror the, of it. Right. The, 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 the Indiana Jones elements, like, like the whole, the whole anthropological history. Yeah, well, and, and plus it, it it's open for interpretation. I this this story when I figured out when I when I finished it, the first thought was, wow, that's like a really really gritty version of the Telltale Heart by Poe. You know, I was like, wow, that is you know, except rather than just ripping his house apart and you know pulling his hair out, he actually eats someone. You know, it's like wow, mm-hmm. you know, very very intriguing. Uh, you know, and then as I reread it, I was like, wow, this is that's interesting. That that you know, he put this little piece here. That kind of throws open some other possibilities about what actually happened. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I and I enjoy that. So the multiple interpretations kind mm-hmm. of things. Um, I really enjoyed this story. I really enjoyed you know the imagery of it, but I also really enjoy that there's layers and you know and and that you can kind of peel apart and and still even you can't really get to the core of it. It's not like it's a, a tootsie pop or something. It's not like there's a little chocolate nugget that oh yeah for sure we know this is what happened right no it's you know it could be this it could be that it might be this you know i mean because norris never hears the rats that we know of nor do any of the other people but the cats do Mm. why would the cats hear it if why would the cats hear it if it wasn't real well there's but there's there's a there's a a a lot of uh, lovecraft stories where where dogs and cats can hear like the the supernatural stuff it's, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's that it's it's but that that, that that old saw of you know like what what is my dog barking at in the dark that, that I I don't see anything why why is my 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 dog barking so yeah well you know so why would the cat but if it's all just him and it's all in his mind why would the cats react to it so is it is it so that kind of lends credence to the oh it really is some sort of real malevolent entity but at the same time he has ancestors who go insane and crazy outside of the priory so it it could easily be something you know some genetic illness that he has some sort of mental illness within his family that you know causes them to eventually devolve and become cannibals or you know so it it, it, it could simply be mr delapore is is still trying to rationally explain what 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 happened because he's he's telling us this story right he's he like he's he's, he's trying to assure us nothing supernatural happened this this is you know my, my my family has this has this has you know this this uh this uh strain in it just to, you know look at, at what happened to to my cousin yeah so it's 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 kind of like that uh, uh who was the rational one in 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 x-files right uh yeah uh the, the woman i can't remember it's gillian gillian anderson uh, played Scully. her it's it's Scully, you know, it's it's yeah. it's like scully saying well clearly his family has a history of insanity. Look at his, his cousin. That's, that's all that this is. Clearly there's nothing supernatural here. Like you could, like you could, you, you could see that like that as like a, a layer of cover up, sort of. Yeah. I, I mean, but that's, I mean, this story is so good on so many levels. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only is it, it's so well written, and it's it's shocking and it's you know and it has that flavor of 
of ancient malevolence, but it also has, is it really, is it real or is it fake? I just, I just also want to, want to note that, that Lovecraft is, is, is playing on the, on the idea of an ancestral memory and, uh, Wikipedia actually cites a story by, uh, Irvin S. Cobb, the, the unbroken chain, um, in which a, a, uh, modern, uh, black man is is uh, almost struck by a by a car and he he sort of like starts like starts speaking in in african language because he is remembering like when one of his ancestors was nearly run over by a by a right rhinoceros right um yeah so that's I, i'm not sure where i was going with that but well that would explain why you could speak these languages that right. you know ostensibly he's never been exposed to you know how, how does i mean yeah he's you know why would he be able to speak roman latin if that really i don't know if it really is roman latin that's 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 the, that's the that's the sci-fi like uh notion that 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 lovecraft is 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 playing 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 with here yeah yeah this is a great story i mean in short i i, I like i said i think it's a it's basically i i, I think I mean, it bears a lot of similarities to the telltale heart um, which, I mean, I didn't read, I didn't go back and read that to really compare it to this one. So I can't really offer an in-depth comparison, but when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, that reminds me a lot of Telltale Heart, which was my favorite Poe story from, you know, the, the forced readings that we had in 10th grade of classic literature mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and I just think, I mean, this is a better version of it, not just because it's about cannibalism. I mean, but it's just, it's so much, it's so much more, it's, it's, it's more well-written. Uh, the you know the double uh, I want to say double entendre you know or not so much the double entendre but the the the, the you know the unsurety the the, the un, whether or not you know is he really just insane uh, you know the layers of the story and things like that I, I this is a great story I mean a really mm-hmm. good story I, I, I can tell you you so. really like it you 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 won't stop stop talking about it um, yeah. All right. So I, I so as 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 you can tell, uh, listeners, uh, both both Jay and I really love the story. And if you haven't read it uh, in preparation for this show, uh, why aren't you reading it right now? And with the end of that segment, that brings us to the conclusion of this episode. Our next episode will be the conclusion of my Lovecraftian special. We will talk about the Call of Cthulhu, both the classic short story and the role playing game of the same name. It will be a little bit different from what we usually do on this show, so I hope you will all listen. My guests were Dan Samil, Jeff Wickstrom, and Jay Kent. You can email Jeff Wickstrom at jeffwick at gmail.com, and he also has a website at jeffwick.com. He writes things, and some of those things are for sale on Amazon, so go check that out. Jay Kent also has a blog at expertisedice.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at icosahedron. If you have questions or comments for Dan or myself, if you would like to be a guest on the show or contribute in some fashion, you can contact me through the Tome Show at thetomeshow at gmail.com. Make sure to put Appendix N in the subject line. This has been a Tome Show production of Appendix N, Episode 10, Selected Works by H.P. Lovecraft, Part 2. Thanks for listening.